Today's episode of Setting the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. Mm. I'm popping bottles tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to the update. We are powering through. We're almost done with the entire NFL. Today we're going to break down the AFC West, and next week we'll finish with the NFC West, and then we'll be done. All 32 teams done. I have Justice with me here on the phone. How are you doing today, Justice? Uh, it's super hot. Okay. In Oregon, and my internet doesn't work, so I'm doing this off my phone. There it is, and I'm. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, but it's, it's Sunday, so we got to deliver for the people. That's right. Setting that Sunday at nine forty East Coast time. Never on schedule, but always on time. That's what, how we like to do it around here. Uh, so let, yeah, so let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about something real quick. So you told the people that I was in class. I thought you were. You went on that field. <laughs> I no, know. No, no, no. You, 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 you can't figure out east coast time compared to west coast time as as, as often as you've asked me what's the what's the time i just got i read his email wrong honestly i thought i thought that i had said like 3 p.m i I don't know i I got the time wrong so that was on me my fault i'll own up to that uh it's it's the time difference it it messes up it messes us up sometimes so moving on to more relevant things let's move on to uh the AFC West, and I, we have the we both have the f- same fourth place team with the Denver Broncos. This was a team last year that had a, a again an elite pass defense. They were first in uh, y- completion percentage, yards per completion, fifth in sack percentage, fourteenth uh, in interception percentage. Uh, that's a unit that's returning all the same guys: Keep Talib, Von Miller, Chris Harris, Bradley Roby. Uh, they're going to get Justin Simmons in year two, so that should be a nice little boost for them at safety. Where they really fell on defense was their run defense, where they were 29th, or they were 32nd in tackle for loss percentage, 18th in yards per carry. And you can see when teams wanted to, uh, you know, wanted to emphasize a run like the Falcons did when they won in Denver, uh, when Oakland did on the Sunday night game, and when the Titans did uh, when they beat Denver in Tennessee. When teams want to run the ball, they really could on Denver last year. And I, that's for me on defense, I'm not sure where they get better there. Yeah, and uh, I just want to say so. They they were a really weird team last year. Um, I, I think we have been kind of in front of the single score, multi score game splits, right? And just being aware that single games just kind of average out down the line. Um, no no team really lost as much as many multi score games as Denver did last year, while also winning as many as they did. Like it, it's really feast or famine for them. Like they're either like stomping on people's necks or they're, like they're playing from behind, have Trevor Simeon at quarterback. And then teams were just running the ball at them, um, so they're not really in the situation. Like they're in a really weird spot because what would you say? You wouldn't say that any of their units are good, other than the pass defense. Like I think I wrote that uh, they went from having one of the best defenses in NFL history to having one of the most polar, like the most. Uh, I can't remember what I said. I think it was polarizing or something like that. Polarized uh, defenses in terms of like their run defense was so drastically different than their pass defense. Yeah, and I, like we've seen that unit really since probably about 2014 from to now. They've had a like a dominant pass defense, but 
you like like you said you you really saw the wheels fall off uh with their run defense and that was kind of confusing to me because i i thought malik jackson was a nice player and he played well for Jacksonville, but I I didn't feel like the run defense should have fallen off you know that hard. Well, from... I, I think it was that their linebackers, you know, depth has some issue to do with that. I I think the offense certainly didn't help. You know, like teams could kind of just hang out and like they they really had no threat of anything if they could just keep the ball on the ground. Like if you look at their numbers, um, teams just were not passing on that team because they they were so fearful of you know the three cornerbacks that they have and then you know. Uh, the safeties to some extent and um, their linebackers were really bad. Yeah. Their, their, their linebackers were, were super bad. I mean, their interior line, like I, there's, I have some questions about some of these guys like DeMarcus Walker, right? Like, I, I don't really know what his role is supposed to be. Um, I guess he could play like five, right? Like he could be that big end guy, but I don't know how much he's going to thrive there. I mean, he was kind of the big end at Florida state and teams were optioning him all the time. Um, you know, they were letting, letting him play, as an unblocked man down the line of scrimmage and he wasn't doing anything like he, he can't be doing that at the NFL level. When you look at like the Louisville game and games like that, where he's literally the marked man the entire game and he wasn't able to execute. And that was a guy who came into, into the league at, or uh, into the year last year as someone who had uh, like, like first round projections. Right. So I, I, don't, I don't really know. Like he, he's kind of a guy who I think at least in my mind is kind of on, the arrow trending downward. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out how all these defensive linemen kind of fit in with each other because they signed Demonte Paco from the Bengals, but I mean he's just nothing. He's, he's just a sloth. He's gonna play nose. Yeah, he, he, I can tell you exactly where he's playing. He's yeah, playing he's nose. he's gonna play nose, and then he signs Zach Kerr, who is off injured from the Colts. And I mean, if you're if you're signing a Colts cast off, I don't really, I, I'm not really sure how much you expect that guy to contribute. But I think they need Adam Gostis to. Uh, play better a second round pick from last year but he was coming off a torn acl uh, and then kind of got thrown into the fire down the stretch his uh his rookie year so maybe he's a little better year too and then uh Derek wolf they signed to a contract extension last year I, I i just i think on paper it should be better than it was last year because I, I think Pecos probably an upgrade over what sylvester williams was last year and i mean Sylvester Williams, he was an abomination at nose tackle. They, like, if if you want your nose tackle to be able to hold the point, uh, that I mean, he cannot do that at all. He got re- like repeatedly run over. So uh, I, that might be an addition by subtraction there. But I I think what's going really going to hold this team back, or what the key to this team is, is what are they going to get from quarterback situation? Because Paxton Lynch was not good when he played last year, and Trevor Simeon is one of those guys where he'll never be good enough. Right, and even even with the the whole quarterback development thing, and I've been on this wagon for a while, that's complete fraud, right? Like the two examples that people can point to are Philip Rivers and Aaron Rodgers who were sitting behind uh, Drew Brees and Brett Favre. And since then, the only guys to not throw at least you know 200 passes in a single season are guys like Johnny Manziel. Uh, they're guys like Jamarcus Walker, Jake Locker, uh, Brady Quinn. I think there's a couple more, but like every single one of them is a bust. So to think that like Paxton Lynch is going to develop or anything, um, I was a big guy into Paxton Lynch. He was my QB one last year. Uh, if if nothing else, at least I didn't have Jared Goff QB one. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it really happening. Like I, I don't know who Denver can get with their cap situation. I know it's not as bad as as people would think. Um, but even then, like John John Elway, people talk about Bill Belichick not being a great you know uh, draft. A general manager, I guess you would say, right? Um, 
is is John Elway good at drafting, or is he just like good at signing guys? Because I feel like every guy that we can point to, it's like, hey, hey, he signed like even uh, even uh, what's his name, Chris Harris. Like Chris Harris was an undrafted free agent. He wasn't the guy that like he really evaluated himself. I don't think John Elway's out here scouting guys that are are uh, you know get, getting those bonuses after the draft and stuff like that. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, who 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 would you say has been his best draft pick? Then Malik Jackson. Was he there for the Malik Jackson pick? He might have been. Malik was like a fourth or fifth rounder. Yeah. So I mean, that, that that's if you just look at what he got in free agency. That that I would. I think you can safely call that a hit. But yeah, he hasn't been great. He drafted a third pass rush in the first round, and Shane Ray, who we're going to see in an extended role with Demarcus Ware retiring, but. Overall, yeah, I think he he's got better after free agents than uh, than draft picks. So maybe the Peco and Kerr signings will help, but I, I think this team has a lot of holes. And I think you're going to need on the offensive side of the ball, you're going to need Ron Leary and Garrett Bowles to be impact players right from the jump because that offensive line was awesome instantly. Yeah, and uh, g- giving a second contract to Melanie Watson is not a great idea. Like I I feel like everyone knew Melanie Watson couldn't play five years ago. And, like, Oakland revamped their entire offensive line in part because of how they bombed that pick, right? And then he ends up signing a at least a significant uh, second contract. I don't know if you'd say, you know, first sure starter money, uh, but it's at least, you know, middle of the pack right tackle money. And he was a, he was a swing t- – he, demo- he was a second-round pick who was demoted to a swing tackle down in Oakland, so – yeah, I don't know what they're expecting there. So you're going to need to see big improvements from the quarterback and offensive line. And I, I think the running game should improve from there. But you're going to need C.J. Anderson to do something he's never done before and stay healthy. And uh, they, they took a, a swing on Jamal Charles, who I was actually watching some uh, Kansas City tape today, just getting another look at Don Terry Poe. And I, I, the games that Charles played, I didn't think he was bad. So maybe that's maybe that can be a boost for them. But, you know, it, it's all projection. I'm going to say – uh... Like little little fantasy tip, I'd probably say go after Denver's receivers. I don't know how they're valued, but those are guys that I'd be interested in in fantasy this year because just doing this and like putting the stats into charts and stuff, right? Or I'm looking at who who's coming back, who's leaving, and stuff like that. Denver really runs their offense in two receivers, and I think they're probably going to be in a situation where they're playing from behind at least more often uh, this year than anything else. So I, I would think that. You know, especially if, you know, Chad Kelly, Paxton Lynch, I mean, those are two guys who throw the ball down the field. Um, so, you know, if, if there's a situation where it's not Trevor Simeon playing quarterback, um, if there's a situation where they're playing from behind, uh, I, I don't really see, you know, a third receiver really stepping up this year in Denver. So I, I would really attack uh, Demaria Thomas and, like, Emmanuel Sanders for sure. All right, let's move on uh, to our third place team. Who you got? Raiders, Chiefs, Chargers? The Raiders. Raiders. The I Raiders. Hey, we should we should talk about this real fast before we make Raiders fans mad. Okay, uh, audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. As the chief millennial podcast, as we've been tabbed by Roto World's Josh North, uh, we have to tell our fellow millennials that they need to go use that code, audibletrial.com slash setting edge, to go look up, uh, I think it's Just Win Baby. Yeah, oh, just can, win. Can baby. you double check this since you're on the internet? Yeah. Okay, just win baby. Um, it's the Al Davis book, uh audiobook. It's really, really interesting. Uh you he talks about how Al Davis may or may not have a grudge with uh Marcus Allen about O. J. Simpson. 
It <laughs> talks about how Al Davis, at when he was a a, uh, a coach at the Citadel, may or may not have recruited Louis Farrakhan to play running back for him. Like, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, our friend Eric Stoner was actually the guy, a uh, friend of the podcast, even, Eric Stoner. He was the guy who told me to go and listen to it, and I spent uh, probably, it's probably like six hours, something like that, uh, listening to it over the course of, you know, a couple of drives, and, like, it's amazing. Um, you know, I went into it thinking Al Davis is probably the most influential person in NFL history, and uh, I, I came away with just, like, way more knowledge than, like, I have ever had on him. Like, they go back to, like, his high school, and, like, how his high school was, like, 400 people, but somehow they had, like, every All-American, Hall of Famer, everything from Brooklyn, like, at the same time, and Al Davis is just, like, chilling, kicking it with these guys. Uh, they have owners getting in fights with journalists. I know you guys aren't fans of journalists, so that, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so go use that, audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Audibletrial.com slash setting edge, and the book is called Just Win Baby. That's probably the most positive thing we're going to say about the Raiders in this preview. There, so when you look at, uh, obviously you did a, a lot of work for this for our, our uh, season previews, but they have won an extraordinary amount of close games, uh, or, or they did win last year. And when you, they, they kind of remind me of the two, like the 2012, 2013 Falcons when you just kind of saw them fall off a cliff. Yep. Where if you look at the 2012 Falcons, I mean, they went 13 and three, and, you know, they were inches away from making it to their Super Bowl berth against the Ravens. Uh, that team fell off a cliff. And what happened with them was they, you know, it, it was kind of the same thing where, as the Raiders, where they have a good offense, albeit a little bit inefficient, but the defense was so bad that they had to thrive off of turnover opportunities to make even the slightest impact. And that's kind of where they were last year on defense for the Raiders. And I, I don't see where the the improvement came from on defense. I know they drafted Garyon Conley in the first round, but as, as talented as he may be, and I know both of us are very high on him, He's still a rookie corner that's going to need time to adjust to the league. So I think this defense is still going to be very bad. You're probably going to see those 50-50 games uh, correct themselves this year. Yeah, uh, they always correct themselves. So team, teams that are more than two games above or below 500 in single-score games, right, games decided by a touchdown or less, um, over the past decade, not including the Indianapolis Colts because – there's something really fishy with the Indianapolis Colts. I have no idea why they're winning so many close games, um, but they're basically winning. Like the difference between the top winning percentage and the worst winning percentage in single score games is the difference between in the Indianapolis Colts and the second best team in the NFL, which I believe is the New England Patriots. Um, like the, there's something really fishy is going on in Indianapolis, and I'm not totally sure what it is. But basically, uh, single score games even out to about uh, about 500, you know, give or take a game. Um, of those 25 teams that qualify for, you know, more than two games over or under 500 over the, since 2006, 25 of 25 had a predictable outcome the next year in terms of like which way they were trending. So like if you were super lucky one year, it was a lock that you were going to have a worse record the next year. If you were super unlucky the year before, then it's a lock that you're going to have a better year the next year. So to say, like, Oakland's not going to go 12-4 again for some reason was a hot take <laughs> that I said. I, I All I said was Oakland's going to regress this year, and Oakland fans were mad like they're at the start of a dynasty, even though they don't have a defense yet. Um, and the quarterback is basically performing statistically, you know, as a mirror to Alex Smith, who was just re replaced by a first-round uh, first pick. Uh, you look at those numbers, Oakland was 8-1, I want to say, in single-score games, which I know for a fact 
is the luckiest, uh, you know, single score uh, record in the past decade, a decade plus, I think it's 11 years now. Um, so, so one would say that, okay, their come down is about to be bigger than anyone else's in the past 11 years. Uh, when you look at which teams qualify for those type of numbers over the past decade, uh, you could pretty much expect four to five uh, more losses the next year. So if we're talking about a 12 and four team, you know, that that's seven and nine range. Like that, that team can go seven and nine. And when you look at their numbers, I would say the way that they're building their team is probably most similar to the New Orleans Saints. And if you look at the New Orleans Saints over the past three years, seven and nine, seven and nine, seven and nine. So that's not super surprising to me. Yeah. And I think when you talk about the Raiders, you, you got to be a little careful because their fans do tend to be sensitive, but let's let's not do that here and be very bashful well, that, 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 I, okay that, that's what i did that's what i did when i wrote the piece that we have on setting edge i was like man i don't want to tell you guys that you're gonna die, like the exact moment that you guys are gonna die but that's basically what i have to do and i'm sorry i'm doing this you know year after you guys made you had your first winning season in a decade you know a month after your quarterback just signed a 120 million dollar extension but these are the facts man these are the facts yeah and i i, I think that and especially with the conversation surrounding, you know, how good is Derek Carr? I think what, what's happening with Raiders fans is we, we can say he's the best quarterback they've had since Rich Gannon. Obviously, I mean, that that's not a very high bar to clear, but it, it is what it is. So when you've had, uh, well, I, I guess going on 15 years of bad quarterback play, when you finally see a glimpse of hope, you're very protective of it. And I get it from an aspect of a fan, but... At the same time, I think he's being a little bit overrated. Uh, like you said, when you look at the stats, he's he's kind of he 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 on an efficiency basis. He kind of plays like Alex Smith, and I I think that uh, the, I, the, Raiders, I think the Raiders. I think he's more capable than that. Oh like, yeah, so I do think I. His upside so do I. is higher, but he's he's not he's not doing it. So like, that, it doesn't matter what his upside is. No, and he's not going to play up to that expectation. Like Matthew Stafford can be throwing the ball deeper. But like Matthew Stafford basically like got neutered when Jim Bakuda went to went to Detroit, and that's what ended up making him more efficient on a play per play basis. Like just because you have an upside doesn't mean you can be efficient at the upside, and we haven't seen Derek Carr at that. So right now we have to judge him based on how efficient he is in his role right now. Yeah, and I I think I, I think he's still like a you know in that ten to twelve range for quarterbacks. Uh, and I don't I don't really know why that's such an indictment on who he is. And like you said, we you can't. A definitively pro- like project uh, progress in the, in anything you do. So just to sit here and say, oh, he will get better. He will do X, Y, and Z. I'm I would just say we haven't seen it yet, and you, you don't really have. A, and I'm not saying he's not worth the extension because you, you don't have a choice. You have to extend him. And over the next couple of years, we'll see that that contract is going to correct itself as as more and more quarterbacks get uh, their extended deals. But I think it's okay to say. We don't know how good he is yet, and we're hopeful that he gets better in the future, but the numbers say right now he's kind of like Alex Smith. But the thing that gets Raiders fans upset is, one, Alex Smith is in their division, and two, it's like if you look at the volume stats, Carr throws more passes than Alex Smith does, so of course his numbers are going to be a little bit higher. Duh, that's just Right, I mean, the Chiefs run like five plays a game. Like They want that offense not on the field. Yeah, so it's just, you know, it's a promising offense. I think the defense is going to be atrocious this year again. It's just Khalil Mack and some dudes. I, I think I, I think we, we both like Bruce Irvin more than uh, your average NFL analyst or fan, but 
if Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin are, or if Khalil Mack is your best player and like your next best player is Bruce Irvin, and after that, after Bruce Irvin, it's a considerable drop off. That's never going to be. Is Gary Conley? Is Gary Conley putting yeah. on his jersey with a with a tape over his helmet because the coach hasn't learned his name yet? Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. So, <laughs> y- y- so but, amazing offensive line, though. Amazing Great offensive line. line. I'm not, I'm not so sure uh, y'all should be trusting like a 31 year old running back who hasn't played in basically two years. That that might be a little much to me, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to do with Marshawn. I'm obviously rooting for him. It's a dope story. You got to go back home, but I, I have no expectations, good or bad, on what he's going to do. I, he's like, he's like one of the biggest wild cards of the season to me. I, I think he'll do better than Adrian Peterson. I'll say that. Like, I'm going to go way out on that limb and say that because I don't get Adrian Peterson hype at all. I think we talked about that. So let's talk about uh, Denver and Oakland. Do you think these guys are? Do you think they're like wild card caliber teams? Because I think they are. Like yeah, I think they I, they could hover around that range. Like I don't think these. I don't think any of these teams are going to be bad. You know, I went into the right went into these uh, previews thinking I was going to write about the AFC being like the AFC West being the toughest division in the sport. I'm not totally sure. I think that, like, I, I really do think that this they they can do enough of beating each other up. You know, with the with the help of having to play the uh, the uh, NFC East this year, um, that I think that one of them is going to get the four seed. But then after that, like there's like five teams in the AFC that I think can get one of those wild card spots. But I think both of those teams, like Denver, they can figure out literally anything on offense or like one standout player, one more standout run defender uh, in that front seven. I think they can get in. I think Oakland, if they have you know <laughs> any sort of development on the defensive side of the ball, I think they could get in. Yeah, I do too. And it's just like. The, the the like Denver, their passing defense is good enough where they're gonna have a shot every year to get like that's how good their group of cornerbacks and Von Miller uh, was or have been for the past few years now. They, they just gotta figure out a run defense and they need that offensive line to get their act together real quick. But I think the floor for both of these teams is like seven to nine. I think Denver can be worse. Mm. Like I, Denver literally only had so. Okay, what what's the bat? What was Arizona last year? Arizona, uh, I think they were like five, ten, and one because they had that tie against Seattle. Okay, that's what I'm gonna. Yeah, whatever. That that's that's their that's their low rate because Arizona, you know, Arizona's better at getting after the quarterback than than uh than Denver is statistically at least. Um, I I think that, but even then, like Arizona had a functional running back. I don't know. Whatever, move on. Yeah, six. I'll say six oh, and ten. I'll oh, go they were, all the way down one one loss more. The Cardinals were seven eight and one last year. In you know, just to be factually correct on this, seven eight and one. Uh, okay. Right. I'm glad we argued about a tie. <laughs> that, was, that was super worth it. Uh, so second place team. Uh, I see. I, I'm kind of looking at this in terms of like I, I think you can put the AFC West in the tiers, and the top two teams in that first tier are the uh, Chiefs and the Card and the yeah. Chiefs and the Chargers, uh, but you have the Chargers as the number one team. So let's talk about the Chiefs. Uh, Alex Smith appears to be on his way out. This is probably his last season there, as they traded it up for Patrick Mahomes. And uh, I have a question for you: How many games do you think Mahomes starts this year? I don't. I don't know. Says General Manager Andy Reid is is running this thing. Yeah. Um. I think Reid will probably sit on him. To be totally honest. I mean, he he sat, he sat on guys before, didn't he? Sit on Vic for basically a year, right? Yeah, he did. He sat on Vic for basically a year. 
Um, I mean, you watch any of those old, uh, those old like mic'd up coaching segments with like Brett Favre and it looks like Andy Reid's about to have a damn aneurysm talking to him. So like, I don't know if he wants to throw throw Patrick uh, Patrick Mahomes out to the wolves like that. And I think he has you know uh, a functional defense that's aging a little bit. I wonder how much it's like, hey, let's try to get one last run with Alex Smith. We were you know we were basically a yard away from getting to the AFC Championship last year. Let's see if we can do it one more time with this team, and then we'll just blow it all up next offseason. I mean, Tom Ballard out here making singles with, like, auto-tune singles and then tweeting that, like, Joe Paterno was, like, totally innocent and then also tweeting out that, like, he needs more starting time. And, yeah, uh, I didn't he know also, what He also said uh, Robert, Robert Kraft needs to be, like, investigated because uh, he hired a murderer, basically. Like, he was like, yeah, it's like Robert Kraft should, as an employer, should feel some of the wrath that, like, Aaron Hernandez because someone stepped on his shoes and he killed him. I'm like, oh man, Tom's really out here trying to sell this single, man. Yeah, I had no idea what what was going on with him, but I, I was here for it because it was it was entertaining uh, to watch people <laughs> scramble. It's late July. Yeah, you're gonna do watch soccer. Exactly. It's uh, it's we're at the end of the July. There's not anything happening, so I'll sit here and watch a Tom Bahali tweet rampage. But but what I was thinking is when you trade up that far to get. From when you trade it from twenty-seven to ten to get a, a quarterback, you know if Alex Smith comes out here and does what he does, you know, dinking and dunking and not really giving them a chance to win games, uh, I, I feel like he might he might feel some pressure from the fan base and from people of, over him to pull the trigger and, and start Mahomes. Okay, let's say Patrick Mahomes is starting Week One and Alex Smith is going to get traded. Let's do it. All right, I'll, I'll, let's Sam, have that Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford situation. Let's do it. Let's do it. If uh, now, how how do you expect Mahomes to perform if he, if he does get pushed in there at some point this season? Oh my goodness! So that offensive line is fairly decent. Um, the running back situation isn't that great. I know a lot of guys like that Kareem Hunt kid out of uh, Toledo. They just got. Did you just say Toledo? Uh, Toledo, whatever. Yes. Close enough. Man. I'm not from the mid- yeah. Midwest. I've never said that one time. Never, never once have I ever said that. Um. What is my trade of thought? They're, they're receivers. Like, they're, they're in a super weird spot. Like, if you look at how many snaps that Tyreek Hill actually played, right, and you look at how many receptions he has and how, like, he was their, like, fourth or fifth most played receiver. And, like, he was still getting the ball on, on carries. And he's, I think he's the top, like, he's the returning leader in basically every passing statistic uh, for those receivers coming back. So, like, he, he, like basically when, when he's in the – the game the offense is literally running through Tyreek Hill which you know shouldn't be surprising considering like the talent that he is um but I, I thought it was weird when I was putting you know those numbers together for the preview how few snaps he actually played like he was playing less than that that Georgia receiver and got guys like that um Chris Conley receiver that, whose name I don't know yeah I got that one and then like the little Georgia Southern one you know his name the Georgia State I can't remember uh, Albert I don't Wilson. have the internet in front of me there we go yeah he played less than those two so like <laughs> And then Jeremy Macklin's gone. Um, I, I also thought what was really interesting when I put up those like radar charts, radar charts, not radar charts, uh, that we've been making is like Kansas City isn't definitively good at anything, like literally nothing. But they went twelve and four. Yeah, I, I think that that when you play that safe type of offense that doesn't really allow you to make that many mistakes. I mean, they were eighth in interception interception percentage and uh, eighth in fumble percentage. Like, so they're not really making that many mistakes. And if you have, a, if you can get enough splash plays on defense, I, I think you can pull away some wins. Because on defense, they were fourth in interception percentage, 
Uh, only they were thirty first in sack percentage, but I think if you can get enough interceptions and then like not turn the ball over, you, you'll be okay. But what's interesting to me about this team is with with Tyreek Hill. I know our our friend uh, Marcus Mosher has talked about this uh, a fair amount this off yeah, I, I think that uh, Tyreek Hill can be their number one receiver because I was just watching some and he 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 plays the heel. He's five ten. Well, yeah. Who else like, do they have? He has but, to be their number one receiver. But I I think he has the talent capable to do it. Like he, I was surprised. Like he he'll go up there and get some jump balls from time to time, and he, we all know the speed that he has. Like I, I think if you're in a place where uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are your top two options on offense, I th- I think you're in a good spot. I just think you need the quarterback to take advantage of those guys downfield and hopefully Mahomes can be that in the future. It just, we, uh, we just have to wait and see how ready he is right now. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I wasn't a big Mahomes guy coming out. So maybe, um, maybe I'm, uh, not very smart, but, uh, I, I don't totally buy Like it's very gunslinger mode. And, uh, that, that may take some time, even though we expect him to be ready. Put put it put it on uh put it on the scroll as Dan Levitard would say. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be ready for Week One. Dude, he's that because Alex Smith has been traded to the Jaguars. Yeah, that heel turn from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes is hilarious to me. Like, like they got tired of Alex Smith. All the time. Look at, look at the head coaches they hire. Yeah, they they look got at the head coaches they hire. It's like, it's like quiet offensive coordinator, and then they're like, all right, we need to get aggressive defensive coordinator, and then like that doesn't work. And they're like, we need a guy who's good with the press. And then it's like, oh, that doesn't work. It's like, all right, well, what's uh, what's what's uh, Rex Ryan doing? Let's get him. And that's how it goes. And then, like, they go from the captain check down to, I don't know what's going on downfield, but I'm going to fling it to Mahomes. So I think the contrast in they the game is... They let Sully run the team. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they let Sully and Jinx run the team. But I do think that yep. the, the contrast... Uh, in style of play is going to be funny to watch in the preseason. But let's move on to uh, our last team, the Los Angeles Chargers, as they are now. You, our Los Angeles Chargers. Our last, yeah, quote, our last Los Angeles Chargers. I, you know, on paper, and we, we did this last year, where, like, on paper and by DVOA metrics, they were one of the better teams in the league. Even when they were losing games, it was like, oh, like, you know, they're losing some of these coin flip games. But I feel like every year, this is, it's just some charger shit that's going to happen. Uh, whether it's, you know, week one, you lose like a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter or Phillip Rivers dies down the stretch with his interceptions. And somehow they had a game against the Browns, the only, the only game the Browns won where they had nine sacks and still it. lost the game. We did call that, but still, like <laughs> yep. it, that's like the most charger things ever. How, how do you have nine sacks and still lose a game? Because you are statistically the most unlucky team in single score games in a decade over the last two years. Like what what they've been doing is like it can't be touched by anyone. Like no one's even come half as close to how unlucky they have been. You know, late in games. Um, I, I know Derek Clawson was talking about it a couple days ago. He had like the fourth quarter splits compared to Philip Rivers. Uh, like his first three quarters, and they, like his his NEA right, like the air net yards, something I can't remember. You corrected me last last podcast. Yeah, it's, what it's, it a, it's adjusted net yards per attempt. I don't know the name of it. I know it's NEA, and then I know how you could type in the formula because I've ran that formula on like several documents already. Um, but basically, he's like half the quarterback he is, like in the fourth quarter. And it's always because he's down and like all those interceptions. Like I think Philip Rivers is second in the NFL in interceptions last year. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, like, all of those basically came, like, on the last drive of the game. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, so I'm just like, so let's go position by position here. Or at least unit by unit. So passing it, right? They got two tight ends. They have a functional quarterback when he's not throwing interceptions at the end of the game. I would say their offensive line probably improved more than any other offensive line in the NFL other than the Cleveland Browns. And at receiver, they're four deep right now, not including uh, Mike Williams, and then they're five deep. Plus, they're two deep at tight end. They're running back Melvin Gordon. Or, yeah, they're running back Melvin Gordon, even though, uh, you know, he's basically the only running back in, in uh, Los Angeles right now. Um, rest in peace, uh, he He's catching, like, 10 yards, you know, per reception out of the backfield. Like, that offense, that passing offense should be humming. It should be, but uh, there's still some charges. There's still the charges. <laughs> I don't like see. See, I, and, I, and I know it's it's a terrible explanation for why I'm not. I'm not down on them because I I just I don't know. I just I just don't trust them. That's fine. And they've literally done this like the entire span that we've been football fans. Like when they went fourteen two like Marty Schottenheimer, and then they fired him. Yeah. Is there, is there some uh, but or, or, I, I'm see, waiting. I'm waiting for that one year that they proved me right, man. I can't end up on the wrong side of both, the, yeah, both sides of the projection. They're playing in like a twenty thousand seat soccer stadium this year. I don't know. Like it's just. It's <laughs> oh just, my god! Like it's just some Chargers. So this shit going is my on. this is my dream. This is my dream situation. Because there's that little NFLPA collegiate bowl, right? It tries to compete with the Shrine Game, right? Basically, it's like a a step before the Senior Bowl. And they play at that stadium in Carson. Uh, and if, if the Chargers get a home playoff game, that is going to ruin their entire week. Oh, so yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for that in, in Team Chaos. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, the Chargers are the most well-rounded defense in that in that division. You know, obviously, Denver can get to the quarterback more, even though I would argue that uh, Los Angeles – I keep trying to say San Diego – Los Angeles probably is a better penetrating team because they actually get the backfield on run plays. Um, I mean, shout out, shout out to Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. Those guys are going to be terrors yeah. in that 4-3 defense. Uh, but, so, like, they can still get off to the quarterback. It's not like they can't really match up to Denver in an individual game there. And they're much better in run defense. So, I don't know. Like, that, that to me, the more I looked at it, I was like, this is a layup. I think it's me and PFF Mike, uh, Mike Renner. Uh, what, what are the only guys just like full throttle on the Chargers train right now? Yeah, because when you were talking about like their run defense, they signed uh, Brandon Meebane over from the uh, the Seahawks, and I mean he was plug and play. Like he he was really good uh, against the run until he tore his biceps, and then they had uh, that old Lions defensive tackle Karan Reed. They had they had fake names. Yeah, well, but even, even Karan Reed, he was playing well, and then he got hurt and uh, missed the rest of the season. But, you know, just some Chargers shit, like I've been saying. Like, uh, like and, they, they, they were they were the first defense. Like I've had to look up names two times because I try to include every name of a player who played at least twenty percent of the snaps in a season on his side of the ball. Right. I've had to look up multiple players at a single position twice. It was Tennessee's secondary, where like I literally had no idea where the cornerbacks had come from, and then it was San Diego, Los Angeles' line last year. Yeah, they got ravaged with injuries. And I, I pulled up Derek's article. Uh, it's on two QBs dot com. It's Philip Rivers need to return to form. These splits are hilarious. So he threw in the in the fourth quarter. Derek says. Uh, 
quote, his interception rate jumped from 2.89% through the first three quarters to 5.56% in the fourth quarter. And if you look at his stats from the fourth fourth quarter within seven points, uh, he has 88 attempts, 51 completions for 58% completion percentage, uh, 7.4 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, seven interceptions in with fourth quarter <laughs> within seven points. Which is funny Wait, because that's a, out of eighty, that's out of 80? eighty. Eighty, eighty attempts, eighty-eight attempts, seven interceptions. So, like the NFL average is somewhere around three percent. So, like he's actually shooting that by three times. So he's three three times uh, the average NFL quarterback in terms of interception percentage. And when he's what is that up, up seven or low? Fourth up quarter, seven or less? fourth quarter within seven points. Yeah. So yeah, man. that's that's about eight percent, uh, an eight percent interception percentage for that situation. That's got to be fixed because, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be. I don't think that's going to happen again, though. Like, yeah, that, there yeah. was a lot of fit, like he, those were new receivers to him. I, I think that matters more than anything else when you're in a situation like that and guys are playing you pressed on when you have seconds ticking off the clock and it's fourth and two, and you've got to throw the ball right now. Like I think. That's what chemistry matters the most. I mean, he had new receivers to him last year. Um, his offensive line was horrible. I mean, I, I don't think people really understand how much. Like, like Okun came over, and he had his options turned down by Denver and then basically signed in, in uh, San Diego, Los Angeles, for, like, the second biggest offensive tackle contract, I want to say. Yeah, like, like, in that. the league right now. Like, he's getting paid, like, OT2 league-wide. Um, but when you look at the money, like, just getting him, uh, getting uh, Forrest Lamp, getting Dan Feeney, those are all guys who should, like, immediate plug-and-play. And now this was a team that literally had, like, one competent offensive lineman last year, and now they have four. And, like, words can't explain how, how much different that is. Like, even, like, Cleveland, right? Like, Cleveland, as Joe Thomas, I think everyone thinks Joe Thomas, like, surefire, first dot Hall of Famer. Right. Cleveland was, like, sacked on, like, 10% of their plays last year. Yeah. Like so, so like just having like one all good offensive lineman doesn't matter. It's about how it's about how many holes you have on the line. It's why Dallas was so important. Their backups are getting signed. You know, like someone goes and Lyle Collins kicks off the tackle. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be. I mean, I'm I'm really intrigued to see how you know Anthony Lynn kind of like what he takes from that tie right offense and like what he incorporates in the Chargers offense because I, I think we saw with. Uh, getting rid of Orlando Franklin and DJ Fluger, two of like th- that might have been the least athletic guard pairing in the league last year, and then you get. I, I don't Lake. think Franklin like has a job, and Fluger is a backup in New York now. For now, but I, f- I feel like we're there's going to be some something that some I feel like something's going to happen. Coming up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Orlando Frank- Franklin's still a free agent, and Fluker is a backup for the Chargers or for the Giants. So, uh, and so you move from that pairing who cannot move a soul, and then you get. Uh, Forrest Lamp, who was one of the most athletic line, or athletic linemen in the draft this year, and Dan Feeney was—he's uh, not a slouch in his own right there. So I think like that trio of Lamp, Feeney, and Matt Sloss in that center that can be functional for them. So I, I mean, even that is just a huge upgrade. And it's clear that that Lynn wanted to get more athletic across the offensive line, you know, getting rid of Franklin and Fluker and adding Lamp and Feeney. So it'll be interesting to see what he takes from that Buffalo offense and incorporates incorporates it into. The Chargers offense, but yeah, on, on paper they look like a complete team. But something always seems to happen to them where they just kind of fumble throughout the season. Lamar Jackson, twenty eighteen. Yep, let's do it. 
so any other takes before we wrap this up? Uh, we are we're gonna be done next week with the NFC West, and then I think we're gonna talk. I, I don't know. We're gonna talk with with uh, Stephen Godfrey from SB Nation about college football, right? Yeah, he's gonna come on uh, later this week. Awesome. So we're gonna have NFC West. Him, audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Go check out Just Win Baby, I promise. Go go listen to uh Al Davis like you can hear about Al Davis's wife having a stroke. I don't know why that story's coming to my mind right now, but you can go listen to that one. Uh there's there's a lot of stuff in it. Yeah. Uh all right, so that'll that'll end the uh, AFC West update. We have one division one division left, NFC West. Uh Stephen Godfrey, SB Nation this week talk college football. And I'm sure we'll get to that Hugh Free story because it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, So, yeah, that's all we got this week. We'll be back next week. See you guys later.